One, two, three, four. It's My Screen Time 2, the podcast where two moms have finally accepted that everything will forever and always be spoiled for them on Twitter because they are anywhere from two months to several years behind television and movie premiere schedules. I'm so glad that the second season of Handmaid's Tale is super disappointing you and or making your life because I won't know anything about it for probably until, I don't know, the Malia Obama administration. I'm Katie. (laughs) I'm Deborah. (laughs) And I have one son. His name is Jay. He is almost three. And I have three kids, an eight-year-old named Tony and five-year-old twins named Libby and Nate. (laughs) Almost three. That's crazy. Yeah. You know, he's in that awkward, like he's not two and a half anymore, but I feel weird like subdividing it any more than that. He's closer to three than he is to two and a half. Yeah. That's a difference for sure. (laughs) Um, our kids are super adorable, aren't they? Yes. And they come up with these questions (laughs) that are cute, but also make me feel really, I've talked about this before. Like, I don't know anything. Mm -hmm. So just before we started recording, my son, Nate, one of my five-year-olds was in the bathtub and he asks what the opposite of 10 was. Wow. is. What's the opposite of 10? And I have no math. <laughs> so, and my husband is an accountant. So I asked him and he was like, well, the opposite of 10 would be zero one. And I was like, wouldn't it be negative 10? Hmm. And then we had this whole, like, do numbers have ma- opposites? You're a math minor major. No. Um, do numbers have opposites? I don't think that I ever got that far. I mean, I guess you can talk about like, you're talking about fractions of things you can just flip the numerator and the denominator Mm. so then the opposite of 10 would be one tenth but I don't I that has no real basics in mathematics it's just what I would guess (laughs) that's the third answer I can give him tomorrow when he quizzes me again That, yeah, they're always doing that, though, aren't they? (laughs) And I like it when I can look up the answer or if it's like the definition of a word, which has usually I know or we can go to the dictionary. Right. But a lot of things are a lot harder than that. Yes, you are so right. Yes. Jay is in the thick of the why phase. So everything is a question. And yeah I mean multiple times a day I'll just be totally stumped and feel like I have to just say because it is and that is not satisfying to either of us yeah that's a tough one (laughs) for sure I remember the why questions (laughs) last week I told you about Jay's imaginary friend Batman right yes (laughs) so we get uh daily notes sent home from school about what they did that day in class and usually the notes aren't really that specific to each kid just every parent in the class gets the same note that just essentially said we did this today we did we talked about shapes we talked about colors and on it must have been Tuesday the note that came home have you seen the Lego Batman movie I forget yes I liked it okay So you'll be familiar with this. Uh, 
the, the note was very normal up till she started talking about how they were talking about birthdays and they made pretend birthday cakes. But then she was like, and we also made some other delicacies like lobster thermidor for Batman. And I was like, <laughs> these things are never kid specific, but that is definitely specific to my kid. My kid took over the whole curriculum for the day to talk about something you learned from the Lego Batman movie. <laughs> lobster thermidor. Yeah, I don't even know what lobster thermidor is. I have no idea, but I could look it up. Yeah, I guess I should look it up. That's a, that's an easy question as far as kids' questions go. Oh, funny. <laughs> preschool. That's a good segue. Yes, we're doing a, a preschool show. So today we're talking about Sid the Science Kid, which is a show on PBS. And I'm going to try to give a quick summary. So Sid is a preschooler and self-proclaimed scientist who starts every day with a new question like, why do bananas get mushy or why can't I only eat cake? He talks it over with his parents and his baby brother Zeke during breakfast. Then he shares his question at school with his teacher, Miss Susie, and three classmates, Gabriella, Gerald, and May. Conveniently, Miss Susie always has an experiment planned that will help Sid answer his question. And after school, Sid rides home with his grandma, shares his new knowledge, and she shares some homespun wisdom from her youth. Then he finishes up his day in his bedroom, where he reminds the audience, who he's been talking directly to throughout the episode, to keep asking questions. Uh, so the show debuted in 2008 on PBS, as I said, and it ran for 66 episodes over what Amazon Prime says is three seasons, but I think it came out a little choppier than that. So the episodes are available on Amazon Prime and Hulu. Technically, it's called Jim Henson's Sid the Science Kid, so you know it has an impressive television pedigree and an impressive educational pedigree. And I did a little bit of reading on the PBS Parents site, and the one interesting quote that I found was, each episode of Sid the Science Kid focuses on a single scientific concept that is presented using preschool pathways to science a practical science readiness curriculum used in preschool classrooms that was created by cognitive researchers and preschool educators so apparently they're not just winging it they have some method behind the structure and content of this show which i thought was well more definitely more thoughtful than horrid henry for sure for sure (laughs) yeah so why do we pick it jay really really likes this show And it makes me feel better about myself because I feel like of all the shows, at least I'm letting him watch one that encourages STEM skill development. And uh, since I don't have much of a science background, I'm getting a leg up on encouraging that in Jay because we're parents and what do we do but try and correct our own deficiencies in our children. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Deborah, did this show speak to you in particular for any reason? I was intrigued by the Jim Henson's name on the top of it Mm -hmm. because I have a soft spot in my heart for all things Jim Henson. Aww. Yeah. But it was animated, not a puppet show. Right. I guess I should have mentioned that in my summary. Yes. We watched three episodes. We watched the pilot season one, episode one, called The Sticker Chart. Then we watched an episode from season two called Where Did the Water Go?, and an episode from season three called Sid's Rainy Playdate. 
as usual, we'll start by going through the episodes one by one, and then we'll move on to our more general thoughts. Right. So season one, episode one, the sticker chart introduces us to Sid. He's in his bedroom, breaking the fourth wall, talking to the audience, and explains how he's trying to earn a toy called the Turbo Robot Megaship. And his parents said he could earn it by doing chores and filling up his sticker chart. And he questions the usefulness of charts, his sticker chart and charts in general. And then when he goes to preschool, his teacher uses that as a teachable moment. And she demonstrates how charts collect and organize data. 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 (laughs) We're going to be doing that the whole show, folks. (laughs) Information. (laughs) Well, each episode has kind of a, it's pretty formulaic. Like it starts out at home. He sings a little rap on the way to school with his, while his mom drives him. <laughs> um, he does another little rap when he gets together with his three other friends at school. He poses a question to the teacher, and that's when the theme really takes off. My general thoughts were, I thought it was super educational, very wholesome. I liked some parts of it. But I had a hard time getting past Sid's voice. Oh, really? Did you not think it was like a creepy, like an adolescent tone trying to sound like a little kid? I just thought it was creepy. I couldn't really get past that. Wow, that's interesting because of all the voices in the show, the ones that I really dislike are Gerald and May. So Sid has never really bothered me all that much. They are all adults, too, I think, because I I tried looking it up on IMDb. I think most of the people that do the main voices are adults, and they're actually, or at least the ones that I looked at, were Muppeteers or people who worked closely with the Jim Henson company. Um, I thought that the educational component was really good. So Sid's teacher has the kids make a snack chart and collects the data about what everybody brought for a snack and explains how charts can usefully collect and organize information, which I liked. It was good. I have seen this pilot probably like three times now. Oh, wow. (laughs) I really like it. In particular, I like the song that Susie sings. Susie sings a song in every episode, and this one is called Checking Out Charts. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh... And it's a lot of fun. It's very catchy. It gets stuck in my head a lot. Whenever I get it in my head that we're going to do a sticker chart at home for whatever reason, say potty training, mm-hmm. I sing the chart song as we're making the chart. And Jay is always super into making the chart, but then he loses interest. He like doesn't care about putting stickers on it. <laughs> <laughs> so the empty chart just hangs on the fridge for a couple days until I abandon it. My kids totally question the usefulness of chore charts also. <laughs> <laughs> They're not very effective at my house. Well, remember what Grandma said during her homespun tale segment that she didn't get any toys for doing her charts, but she still had to do them. And her only reward was the pride she felt. And, I mean, could you not help but think, and also that you didn't get smacked? Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. She, I liked her old-timey wisdom, which she gives at the end of 
each episode. She conveniently left out the threat of corporal punishment for not doing her chores. <laughs> right. So we obviously watch quite a bit of Sid because Jay is into it right now. Did you notice in the pilot that no one had any teeth? I did not notice that. Not even the adults or just the kids? No, it's like it's like they're made to be like Henson pu- puppets, Muppets. Okay. Because they don't really have teeth either, do they? No, no. Just think about how wide their mouths open. Right. So in the pilot, none of them had teeth. But, spoiler, in later seasons, they all of a sudden do. And it's super creepy. All of a sudden, I just can't get used to the presence of teeth. Oh, shoot. I did not notice that. I did notice that they wear the same clothes every episode. Yes. But that's not uncommon for cartoons, is it? No. No, I don't think so. So there's this bit after they do their science experiment where they go outside for playtime and they do this thing called Good Laughter Noon where they, uh, there's like a wall in the playground, like a climbing wall with different colored shape holes in it. Mm -hmm. So they hide behind those holes and they like open the door to tell a joke and then they close the door again and everyone laughs. So that seems to be a laugh-in send-up, right? I think so. Okay. Yeah. A show I've never watched, but... Like... Exactly, because we're too young. So, right. like, who <laughs> is pulling this reference for today's preschoolers? It seems like a joke only their grandparents would get. That's a good question. I don't know. It seemed like an awfully obscure reference to throw in there. Sid had with him a toy microphone that had a laugh track on it, uh-huh. which was kind of a funny bit. He always has the microphone, which I have kind of a larger problem with Sid's centrality in this whole universe. Mm -hmm. Like, he carries this microphone around everywhere. He, in addition to having a laugh track that he can turn on whenever he wants people to know he said something funny, it also has applause. Mm -hmm. And I just... I know we'll talk about it later, but I can't get over the fact that every single day at school, all they're doing is talking about whatever Sid wants to talk about. Oh, yeah. I had a big problem with that. Because <laughs> the first episode, I thought, this is a good way of showing how to take a kid's question and turning it into a teachable moment. And what a responsive preschool teacher. And then after the other two episodes, I was like, she doesn't do lesson plans. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't at all. I mean, she's admirably good at putting together lessons on the fly, but really every single day is just whatever Sid was thinking about that morning. Yeah. Um, and Sid, he's like that one guy in, there's always that one guy in class who can't help himself from processing all of his thoughts out loud and raises his hand all the time and like doesn't really ask questions just makes statements like shut up Sid yeah Sid is definitely imposing his views and he's making everyone take things at his pace it's just they're a little too indulgent with Sid's whims (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for sure Although, since the preschool class is so small, they don't have that many other kids to take into account. It's a four-kid preschool class. How expensive do you think this preschool is? Oh, my God. Well, I couldn't afford it. (laughs) Yeah, and they're all really excited to be there. And, like, Sid's 
version of preschool drop-off is not at all how preschool drop-off goes in my experience. <laughs> His mom just like drives up, he gets out, waves at her, and like skips into school. <laughs> Wait, how does your preschool drop-off go? Uh, often there are tears and a little person clinging to me. Yeah. It's rough. See, we don't do the drop-off. Like, I walk Jay into the room. But at this point, he just, he goes. He's pretty sad about the departure. He sees his friends and he's like, peace, mom. (laughs) And then they do a little rap and a coordinated dance. (laughs) Uh, I guess, should we go on to talk about the second episode? Sure. Okay. So the second episode, where did the water go? While brushing his teeth, Sid wonders where the water in the sink goes. So, the class takes a field trip to the science center to learn the difference between fresh and salt water. They see how little fresh water there is on the planet. They learn about the water cycle. They experiment with creating their own water system on a sand table. And they share ideas about how to conserve water. On the ride home from school with Grandma, Sid learns how difficult life must have been before indoor plumbing. Even though, side note, Grandma is not old enough to have lived without indoor plumbing most likely no she's a baby boomer yeah um she's not greatest generation <laughs> so at home mom helps sid discover how much water he wastes when he doesn't turn off the tap while he's brushing his teeth and sid ends the day with what i thought was an excellent super duper ooper schmooper big idea to create a fresh water machine which is essentially a desalinization machine or desalination? How does that word go? I think desalination. Okay. A right. desalination machine, which is like a really useful invention. So I hope you do it, Sid. And just to jump right in on thoughts about this episode, I couldn't get over their trip to the completely empty science center. Yeah, not a realistic portrayal of a preschool field trip in my <laughs> Not at all. And I guess I, my most recent museum experience was... We actually haven't been to any museums since we moved here. So it was back in Dallas, and it was always where whatever museum you went to, whatever time of day, they were just packed to the rafters with school groups wearing identical t-shirts. Like tons of really loud kids running around. So the fact that these four super privileged preschool students could just walk into a science center and have it completely to themselves. I mean, they showed a scene in the cafeteria. Mm-hmm. There was only one table occupied. Their table. That was it. Mm-hmm. Is this like a Silicon Valley preschool, do you think? Yeah, that's a that's a good guess. Certainly a very... I don't know where else in the world it could exist. Right. And also in this episode, suddenly everyone has teeth. Gosh, I'm going to have to go back and watch the beginning of that because I did not pick up on the tea. <laughs> I mean, it probably won't be weird to you because we have really only made it through the first season with Jay, but I've seen pretty much the entire first season. So to all of a sudden move on to lesson two or to season two and be like, whoa, what? Everyone looks different. <laughs> That's funny. I distinctly remember as a kid, like going to an educational event where they talked about how much water is in the world and how much of it is potable and how you should turn off the tap when you're brushing your teeth. And it's, and I've read books to my kids about environmental topics, like on a kid's level, and they all talk about turning off 
the water when you're brushing your teeth. And I think we need to get past that. <laughs> Everybody knows that you turn the tap off when you brush your teeth. <laughs> like, why aren't they talking about the evils of bottled water? Oh, that's a good point. And shipping bottled water and plastic in the oceans yeah. and contamination from like those beads in face wash and washing yoga pants apparently like yoga pants are a big problem for water contamination really because like the fibers from like spandex or lycra type polyester mm-hmm. it gets um in the water supply and then the wastewater um Wherever your water goes. <laughs> you know, the place that cleans the water, like, they have to deal with, like, these plastic fibers from laundry. I don't know. I think that we, as a society, could do more than just turning the tap off when we're brushing our teeth. Yeah, that's a really good point. But it is a kid's show, so. <laughs> it is good to focus on something that you can do and not totally bring morale down (laughs) i love it if miss Susie would just be like listen guys the planet is seriously effed and i'm glad i'm gonna die before you will (laughs) (laughs) oh i think that's something that the grandma should deliver her whole story should have been about how like they never recycled and they just dumped all their industrial waste into the rivers and it was so great for them and oops sorry let me tell you about the love canal (laughs) sorry we laugh because it's depressing (laughs) what else can we do turn the tap off i'm already turning the tap off when i brush my teeth (laughs) what more can i do (laughs) so uh should we move on to a potentially cheerier episode yeah, so also water-themed. We watched Rainy Playdate, which on Hulu it was season one, episode 31, but for you it was season three, episode 11 on Amazon. But the title's Rainy Playdate, so that's all that matters. So in this episode, Sid greets us in his bedroom again. He is super excited because he has a playdate with Gabriella, his friend from school, after school. And he has a plan for them to have a treehouse party, but the the sky is cloudy, and so he thinks rain may spoil his plan. So in this episode, he learns all about clouds, and he tries to predict the weather. Turns out that it rains during the day, but it clears up by the time time his playdate is scheduled. Right, because nothing can go wrong in Sid's world for any extended period of time. No. He's a Silicon Valley (laughs) billionaire's child. (laughs) Who only owns one red hoodie. Right. So once again, it starts out after he's in his room, then he goes down to breakfast super enthusiastically. Not at all how my kids go to the (laughs) kitchen to eat. And I did think... In the three episodes that we watched, sometimes the mom was feeding the baby, sometimes the dad was. I did think that that was a nice gender egalitarian bit mm-hmm. where they are splitting household tasks. But then I found it curious when he's talking about predicting the weather, his mom says that he should be a weatherman. 
or that he is a good weatherman or something like that. And I was screaming at my computer screen, use the word meteorologist. (laughs) That's a good point. Sometimes I find myself slipping into that too, though. I've definitely used the word fireman and policeman and stuff like that. It's just an old habit. It's hard to shake. It is. Not that that excuses it. I'm more, I'm try to be conscious of it. And my kids do call the mailman, the postal carrier. Oh, <laughs> I don't know what, and, and he is a guy. I don't know what his preferred term is. I never asked him. <laughs> so by the, so by this time I was totally fed up with Sid dictating the lesson plans of the day. Although I thought his teacher did a good job. Um, it was a good lesson learning about clouds and water vapor. And if you can get past some of the other stuff, I do think it's a good show for kids for sure. Yeah. I couldn't help thinking because their whole experiment for the day was that they went out into the rain. Just my first thought was, oh, that would be such a pain to clean up all those kids after all that time spent splashing around in the mud. Yeah, but that's what you're paying. I don't know. $65,000 a year for uh, <laughs> four kids to one teacher ratio. That's true, but I still bet that Miss Susie's salary is pretty awful. Yeah, probably she's not making a lot. So I'm interested to know, since you said at the top of the episode that you have a soft spot for Jim Henson, what's your history with his oeuvre? I loved Fraggle Rock when I was a kid. Oh, I totally forgot it. about Fraggle Rock. Oh my gosh, it was so good. So good. And I like his other his other work. We've talked before about Muppet Babies. Mm-hmm. Really good. Love the Muppets. <laughs> How about you? Uh, I definitely watched, you know, the big three. Sesame Street, Fraggle Rock. I didn't really watch much of the traditional Muppets. It was pretty much just Muppet Babies. Mm-hmm. And the Muppet Movies. Um mm-hmm. But to me, the babies were the real Muppets. But I wouldn't really call myself a Jim Henson connoisseur (laughs) by any means. I'm curious to know what other non-puppet products Jim Henson's name is associated with. This is a dumb question. Is he still alive? Oh, no, no, no. He died, uh, I want to say, in the late 80s. Okay, that's what I thought. So why is his name on this show? Uh, because it's the name of the company. Oh, okay, okay. Like, he's one of the few that didn't, like, totally sell out and sell his company. Although, now that I say that, maybe Disney does completely own it now. Okay. I don't know, did Sid feel like a fitting successor to all of these things that you loved as a child? I'm not a fan of the am- animation of a Muppet style. I I thought that they all looked like they had dead eyes. <laughs> it was like a very, it felt like a very old school computer animation. Yes. And I wasn't sure if that was intentional on their part. Like, were they trying to make it look a bit more homemade? Sort of in the way the Muppets always feel a little bit homemade. Like, they're, they're not sleek and flashy. Mm-hmm. So maybe they were trying for the same aesthetic with Sid, or maybe I'm just giving them too much credit. I don't know. I don't know. I There's a lot of 
shows that we've already watched where I prefer the animation to this. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Well, I just like the traditional hand-drawn looking animation, even though even that is done with computers now. I just prefer mm-hmm. that look to the weirdly almost 3D, but not look yeah, of computer animation. <laughs> yeah. How do you feel about educational shows that are set in schools? Do you feel like it's lazy? That's a good question. Um, I feel like this is a t- definitely a good show for the preschool set so they can learn about these STEM topics, but also learn about kind of what, kind of what to expect in preschool <laughs> <laughs> and how structured it is and like the types of projects they might be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, oh, what is that show, The Bots that we watched? Oh, the Ask the Story Bots. The Story Bots. I thought that was... Uh, much more dynamic way of presenting on different topics. I thought that was way more fun for me to watch. Agreed. It was a lot more creative. Way more imaginative. This is kind of hard to tackle because the characters were made to look like puppets, but how did you feel about the diversity of the show in general? Um, the teacher, Miss Susie, had kind of a bit of an accent like sort of maybe Latino accent. I got that feeling too. And then sometimes I was like, wait, is she just Canadian? (laughs) Yeah, it was very slight. The mom, I thought if it were cat, if it were like not animated, I thought the mom was supposed to be black. Mm -hmm. Maybe. I mean, it was hard to tell because they're all kind of like orange and yellow. But they were definitely trying to do something different with everything almost everyone's skin tone yes yeah so I thought I thought that was pretty good um yeah the voices were diverse like the adult voices were totally fine I had no problem with that the kids voices however (laughs) can we talk about that oh my god yes because I could talk about how much I hated Gerald's voice all day long it just is like fingernails on a chalkboard to me like Gilbert Godfrey yeah oh poor I mean, I know he's not a kid because I looked at these people on IMDb, but I was going to say, poor kid, if he's growing up and he already sounds like Gilbert Godfrey. This is like Chris Farley, I live in a van down by the river type of voice. Yeah, no, I looked it up. Actually, I'm, this may have been the same guy. Yes, the guy who does Gerald's voice is the same voice as Sid's dad. Oh, so that is his... Who directed this? <laughs> That is terrible. It was so grating. I hated it. Yeah, agreed. And then, what was the girl? In two of the episodes, Sid refers to May as the smart one. Oh, really? Yeah, and she seemed really, really daffy. Yeah, like very spacey, sort of Luna Lovegood-esque. Yeah, like she's talking, always talks about like how cute things are, like raisins. <laughs> They're really cute. Yeah, and how clouds are just big daffodil or daff. What's the word I'm looking for? Dandelion puffs. Dandelion fuzz. <laughs> yeah, so she's. Her answers were dumb, and her voice just made her sound like she had been uh, vaping weed before school. Yeah, or she. What is it called when you. 
your statements come out like questions. Is it called up speak? Up, yeah, up talking. Yeah, up talking. Up talking. <laughs> but there, you were actually asking a question. But yes, I felt like she was. It was a really bad example of how women occasionally talk and it doesn't make them sound like adults. Mm-hmm. Not that she's right. supposed to be an adult, you know. But why encourage those bad habits early? Um, what did you think about the music? Well, other than the chart song, which I really like, on the whole, the songs were pretty uneven. Like, there would be ones that I really liked, and then there would be ones that I was like, I just don't have any time for. <laughs> yeah, some some of them were definitely just really pretty boring. Yeah. Like, somebody came up with that tune to fit the lyrics, and that's all they that's all they did. Yeah. Um, can we jump back for a second to talk about Sid's grandma? Yes. I love that Sid lives in a multi-generational household. And I think that that should be more of a model that we're showing kids now. Do you think she lives with them? Well, she is often there. I guess it didn't really show up in the episodes that we watched, but she's often there for like the end of day. Mm-hmm. segment after she drops it off from school so maybe she's just in charge of after school pick up pick up and then she sticks around for a while that's a good mm-hmm. point maybe she doesn't live there well she just wasn't there at breakfast so maybe grandma likes to sleep on yeah well, she's earned it after living with no indoor plumbing and <laughs> having to do all her chores or else she'd get smacked around right but i do love the idea that like we can present a different family structure Because I don't know about you, but when this whole trend of millennials or people our age not being able to get good jobs and then moving back in with their parents started and it was all like a punchline about how awful that would be, I definitely made those jokes. But the longer it goes on, like, and the older I get and now I have my own kids and I can see the value of like different generations living under one roof and that happens in a lot of other cultures like like a lot of European countries Mm -hmm. people live with their family or nearby and don't move away and the grandparents are very involved right right I guess I just I don't know I like that idea Mm -hmm. yeah definitely (laughs) no mom and dad I'm not moving back in but you're welcome to come here if you want. <laughs> All right. Well, now we come to one of our favorite questions. What adult movie or TV show does this compare to? I went with the school route mm-hmm. and the teacher teaching to what the kids need. So I first thought about Dangerous Minds. <laughs> yes, that's a good one. That Michelle Pfeiffer gem. Lean on Me, remember that movie? Yes, also a classic. And then I landed on How to Get Away with Murder. (laughs) Because Annalise, the law school professor, her lessons directly correspond to her students' crimes. See, I only made it through the first few episodes of that show, so... We watched the first season, but didn't, didn't watch anything after. Isn't that the way... To an annoying extent in almost all television shows, though, like if there's a scene in a school 
it's all whatever they're learning is always directly applicable to whatever's going on in the protagonist's life. Right. So what did you think of? I went with, uh, well, first of all, I thought about the show House of Lies. Did you ever watch that? I have not. Okay, so it was, I don't even remember which premium cable. Showtime, maybe? Mm-hmm. Um, starring Don Cheadle. And oh. he was like oh. a, a PR guy, Is... kind of. Okay. But really the thing that linked the two to me were that he would always really the thing that linked the two for me was that he would always break the fourth wall and talk to the camera. Okay. So that is the thing that I thought of immediately. But then I thought, you know, there are shades of like a CSI or bones where they're using science to answer questions. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I was like, what am I doing thinking about all these fictional shows when clearly the adult show that it lines up most closely to is Mythbusters. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, for sure. Uh, did you cast the gritty HBO reboot? Okay, so I, I don't know how to say her name. Mayam Bialik? Okay, Blossom. Blossom. And Danica McKellar. Okay, yeah. Also known as Penny Cooper from... Um, Wonder Years. Wonder Years. They're two moms because not everything needs to be heteronormative. And... Danielle Brooks, who plays Tasty from Orange is the New Black, is the preschool teacher. Okay. And I don't know any little kid actors, yeah. so I didn't get that far. This is always the Maybe problem that we run up against. Ellen Burstyn for the, the grandma. grandma. Although she's <laughs> probably too old to yeah. be realistically cast as a grandma. In yeah, like a preschooler's grandma. How about you? Okay, I, as usual, went on a bit of a journey with this one. (laughs) In my life, in my TV and movie consuming life, I just like to see the process. I like to see the building blocks of what happened. Like it has always, and I'm sure I've mentioned this before, it has always bothered me in the movie Pitch Perfect that like the acapella group just comes together magically and you never get like scenes of them learning the music. Right. So stuff like that is really annoying to me. <laughs> so when it came to trying to think of a show for grown-ups about using science to answer basic life questions, I just thought, well, <laughs> let's continue things with the current season of The Walking Dead. Is that a show that you watch? I have watched it. I'm not caught up, though. Okay, so zombies, whatever. There's an apocalypse. And now, like, they're trying to rebuild civilization. And maybe it's a spoiler, so skip ahead 20 seconds if you don't want to hear this. But <laughs> but at this point, they, someone has gifted them with these instructions of how to, like, recreate basic scientific accomplishments. So instead of just, like, living in huts and scrounging for food, they can start to rebuild all of humanity's achievements yeah and they're not gonna spend any time on the walking dead television show showing them like learning how to build a water wheel or stuff like that but that is the show that I want to see so I just want like a spin-off about this little camp of people relearning the lessons of science I just think that would be so entertaining (laughs) 
That would be interesting. It would be long running. <laughs> yeah. Long running. There's so much content they yeah. could cover. <laughs> yeah. So that's how much of a nerd I am. And that is what I would want to see in my gritty HBO reboot. And you could just take the whole cast of Walking Dead and keep them in their same roles. I don't really care. They're essentially interchangeable at this point to me anyway. Just show them learning how to build something. So do you think it was better when we were kids? The Jim Henson world was. Mm -hmm. I don't know about the science content. Did you watch 3 to 1 Contact? I did. Mm -hmm. That was fairly science-y, if I remember. Yeah, and I looked forward to it and thought it was fun. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think this was better than what we had available to us as kids. Yeah, I agree. I mean... It was more explicit in its focus because there wasn't the awareness of like, oh my gosh, you got to teach those STEM skills that mm-hmm. there is now. And Bill Nye, the science guy. Oh yeah, that's right. Would you ever watch Sid the Science Kid alone voluntarily? No. Yeah, neither would I. And I like it, but there's not much there for grown-ups other than irritation at the voice casting. Yeah, this is not a show where they have bits, crumbs of humor for the parents. Mm-hmm. Structurally, structurally, you know, it reminded me a lot of Bubble Guppies. But yeah. Bubble Guppies had way more of those little funny moments that adults could laugh at. And the music is so much catchier. Yeah. Bubble Guppies. Although Sid didn't have that, like, unintentional or maybe intentional sort of sexualization of the pop princess that I felt like Bubble Guppies did at moments. Yeah, that's so, true. Meh, you, there's good and bad. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a good segue to 10 seconds on whether this is good for our kids. I think it's a pretty good show for kids. Yeah. I have no yeah. problem with Jay watching it. Like I said, it makes me feel like I got a parenting gold star or like half a gold star because it's still screen time but at least he's learning something yeah it's super educational how would you rate it you know i because i've watched so much of it but i've watched so much of it with jay that this was a hard one to separate my own reaction from my pleasure at watching his reaction Mm -hmm. just for me three that's fair. I would give it a two. I hit, Sid's voice really bothered me. <laughs> Hard to get past that. That's funny. It's weird that I didn't even notice that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thanks for listening to this episode of It's My Screen Time 2. Please rate us and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can find us on Facebook to continue the conversation at facebook.com slash myscreentime2. And that's also where you'll find out what we're covering in our next episode if you want to watch along with us. You can tweet us with show or movie suggestions or general comments at at myscreentime2 and email us at myscreentime2 at gmail.com. Our theme music was composed and performed by me and my adorable children, and our podcast is produced by Katie. Tune in next time for more real talk about the movies and TV beloved by kids and tolerated by parents. Bye. 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 Bye.